From the boardroom to the locker room, sport captures the imagination like little else. In this podcast, we talk to the men and women who make the big decisions and those who make the big plays to find out where sport is and, importantly, where it's going. But we do so through the only eyes that matter, those of the fan. Welcome, everybody, to another very special edition of Are You Not Entertained? Joining me for the final goal on goal of the year, uh, my man from the lake, the one and only Roger Mitchell. Hi, mate. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm fine. Are you all, you're all set for Christmas, I guess, in the UK. All's well, I don't know. We're all, we're all set the for the, the Island, Christmas, the Christmas we're going to be allowed <laughs> in the UK. Man, I tell you, it's just... Uh, you can make this stuff up, could you? Rog, let's not, let's, let's not get into COVID. We've got a lot more enjoyable things to talk about, I'm yes, sure, given, given the do, year we we've do, just we had. But we're going to just have a little blast today and just, you know, with some friends and just um, have a bit of fun. Yeah, we've got a few guest goal and goals for the year coming into live and proceedings up from a few of our contributors that we've, uh, that we've welcomed to the show over the last, uh, well, I guess the last two or three years, Rog. Yeah, yeah. Friends of the show, close friends, people we respect. Uh, it's always good to hear their view about what goal on goal has been. Yeah, exactly right. Well, listen, let's uh, let's kick things off in the in the way that we normally do, which is by letting you go first. <laughs> Give us one of your one of your goals or your own goals for the year. Well, well, it is Christmas, so this one I, I'm going to kind of like um, give it a little bit to you in terms of. Um, something that I think you'll be very willing to, and, and happy to talk about. But my goal of the year is um, the way that sport fans now have embraced what I call the meme culture. And and I know that everybody says, oh, no, here we go. This is all digital and Gen Z stuff. I, I just mean, you, know, you remember, you know, our days when you would go to a game and one of the great things about going to a game was, the, you know, the wits and the wags that are around you and, 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 and you know, the, the comedy that they give you and everything. Well, I, I believe that's trans, translated now into, into Twitter. And, you know, almost instantly anything that happens in sport has got just a plethora of uh, comedy and invention and things that really just make you laugh, get you in, uh, entertained, get you engaged. And, you know, I, I think that's a real, real positive and, you know, I, I think that it, it links to, to something that, again, is one of the things that I, I love about what I'm seeing in sport these days, which is the change in formats and the new ways of offering sport to, to people. I know you're less keen on that. Uh, you know, if, if I talked about uh, Jake Paul, you know, you, you would probably roll your eyes. Uh, if I talked about Brooks and, and Bryson, uh, likewise. So I'm not going to talk about them. My goal of the year uh, from golf, and it is seeing a new format, which is the father and son golf that this weekend we saw. It's not a new format. Tiger it's, it's, the 20, it's the 24th year it's been going. It's not a new format. <laughs> <laughs> well, for the general, uh, the general sports fan, again, only through what you see on Twitter, for many of us, it's a new, it's a new tournament. We're not going to get into any kind of like back and forward polemic today, but um, I did enjoy seeing a, the old man w- with his son, uh, seeing him swinging it, and and seeing Charlie. The thing I really liked about Charlie, you know, like okay, he's he's great, super talented, and everything like that. But 
Like, can you imagine the pressure that lad was under? Can you imagine the pressure that young boy was under? And like, did he deliver or what? It's just so, I mean, I, I, I just think in the context of how sport is consumed now, how much it is an interactive thing with with fans that are able to, to comment immediately, uh, I completely enjoyed those 72 hours of, of Tiger and Charlie. That's my goal of 2021. Well, you left it late, Rog. You left it late to find a goal for the year. I, I, I watched that too, and and I and I loved it. Like you, I just thought it was it was fantastic to watch. It was great to see Tiger. You could see he was limping, yeah. Um, even though he was riding the cart down the fairways, but even around the greens and stuff, you could see that he was limping and he was he was in pain. Charlie was unbelievable. I mean, the the, the fact that Tiger Woods is the second best putter in his family is <laughs> is extraordinary to me. I mean, Charlie. Jeez, I mean, it was unbelievable. I, I, but I wonder, you know, that, the pressure. I thought about that, you know, and I, look, I don't know at twelve if you feel that kind of pressure. You're oh, just out there. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yes. Oh yes. No, but but look, look, he was nerveless, right? And you could tell he was just lapping up every minute. But that, his tee shot on seventeen. Yeah. To that tight left pin with four feet between him yeah. and the water to stick it between Long the flag iron. and the water, pin high. Long iron. Was unbelievable, and they were playing off the same tees. On, on yeah. that one, right? The father and son were playing off the same team. It was extraordinary. Nerveless around the greens. And look, you, let's fast forward, Roger, and say he turns pro, right? There's a world of pressure on you for being Tiger Woods' son. This is my point. But, and I thought about it, if I'm him and I'm his handlers, I just say to them, listen, you, here's your answer to that question. Every time is, how can there be any pressure? He's the greatest golfer who's ever lived. I can't be expected to be better than the greatest. I'm going to do the best I can. I actually think because he's Tiger Woods and he's set the bar so high above just about every other golfer who's ever played the game, with the exception, arguably, of Jack Nicholas, is there really that much pressure? Can you be expected to be greater than the... You can't be expected to be greater than the greatest who's ever played. And so I actually think there is a way to defuse that and just say, look, I'm out here, I'm loving it. There's no way... You can compare me to my dad. He was the greatest of all time. And you're done with it. I mean, yes, it's going to come. We'll see what his temperament's like when there's a livelihood on the line and all that sort of stuff. But I loved watching how fearless he was, how composed he was, and my God, what a goldsmith was. It's kind of depressing. Yeah, yeah. But you see, this is the thing. This is the thing that I think is one of the differences between you and I because you, you, I believe your mentality in sport is still very much traditional. Um, and, and your answer there, I think, is correct from that point of view. If you look at the, the the point of view that I'm referring to, which is the culture of the meme, he will live in a world where um, once a bar is set and he's already started to set it, if he goes through a slump, he's going to get all kinds of crap coming his way. You know, yeah, Rush, I, I, listen, I, I know I get what you're saying, but after a while... It must be water off a duck's back because it's so instant and it's so and it's so quickly forgotten. Because every every great shot he plays is going to be a meme. Every bad shot, it's just it it becomes meaningless. I think after a while. Well, you see, that's maybe your mentality that you know strength of character as well as the generation you come from. You know, we need to accept, Grant, that we live in a world where m- mental health is a is a bigger thing now. And I looked. Uh, uh, the, the Charlie uh, and I loved it and, and, and you know I like arrogance people sports people showing arrogance but I was kind of like thinking Charlie don't set yourself up mate you know because the, there's going to be a moment that you are going to get drowned 
and crap coming from you know Johnny Nobody, uh, yeah. and 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 you're going to struggle a wee bit, and you know. No, that I agree. With. I, that, that I agree with. I, I, I get where you're coming from. Now you, you're talking about the the kind of finger out when the putt's halfway to the hole and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, right? I think he could have avoided that, and and of course, but I'm not going to I'm not going to say he sh- because confidence absolutely is a beautiful thing, uh, and I think I think it is the main differentiator in life and sport and anything. People can smell and see confidence walk in a room before you open your mouth. So I'm never. I'm just saying that you know, in, in the world we live in just now, that is instant hero or zero. Better to fly a little bit under the radar, but it will be impossible for who he is. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so you know, coming back to the main point, you know, whether it's Harry Kane or or, or whether it's uh, Max Verstappen, the creativity you see around instant sporting uh, events now. Is, is a joy. It's a joy. You know, like we've seen this year, but, you know, maybe the last two years, but certainly this year, you know, impersonators like Al Foran, you know, really just doing amazing things that I believe has increased our enjoyment of sport dramatically. And I think in that macro context, that, that is my goal of 2021. I don't, I don't disagree with that. But I, again, I come back to this this idea that that content is everywhere now, right? And so this idea that you're going to be traumatized by one of these memes, it just doesn't hold water to me. Look, maybe it's because I've grown up in the British culture of taking the piss out of everything. Yeah, you're not normal. I've grown up expecting if you screw up for your mates to take the piss out of you, and that's fine. But look, let's, let's, talk, let's go back to Charlie Woods. Do you think, given what you've seen so far, and we're a long way from this, coming to pass but do you think there will be more highlight memes than there will be fail memes from what uh, we've seen no, so far it's no, like it's no. like he's dead I mean, there's going to be no it's it's like the old phrase if it bleeds it leads i mean like you can already see them sharpening their pencils you know can't wait for this kid let's see if he you know drives into a tree like his old man you know you can see those yeah memes okay already. That, that's that fine yeah that's fine that's fine fine if we're talking about off the course and the terrible journalism <laughs> and stuff <laughs> that's fine but you're talking about memes you're talking about memes you're talking about the great shot or the fluff part or the you know well, that's the, what that's you the... consider because you're a sports purist i consider it all popular culture content is the way i would put it and he is going to be right in the middle of it and you know whether it's you know who he dates you know whatever relationship he's in business dealings uh, he's gonna he's gonna be right in the middle of that yeah now at that point Uh, i will concede to you for sure for sure uh, so you know, I I wanted to enjoy what I saw there. I saw a young kid who we all get scared teeing off on the first tee, even when it's a couple of old codgers from the local club watching us. Can you imagine that lad? And he did he deliver or what? And like so, chapeau, young man. Uh, I'm already thinking when they come for you, just think that they are wanna be in ever gonna be's, and you put that four iron between the water and the pin, chapeau, you know? So that's that's my goal of the... Well, look, Rog, one thing's for certain, if he does end up in the kind of trouble you're, you're alluding to, at least he's got a call he can make <laughs> to have a deal with it. <laughs> not sure that's the person I would go to for advice. Well, maybe not, but uh, yeah, anyway. Well, listen... Um, what have I, you got I, for I, me? 
Well, we've, we've, you and I get the luxury of having a few here, but I, the one I want to lead with, my goal of the year, is perhaps a strange one given the year we've had and all the all the great on-field sport we've witnessed. But my my top goal of the year is actually the WTA uh, and the fact that they have pulled all their events in China given the situation around in Pong Shui, which we've, we've spoken about before on the podcast. You know, in an age of rampant cynicism at the corporate level in sports, and we've seen and talked about the NBA kowtowing to, to China and refusing to to jeopardise um, games being shown in China and their, and their fan base over there by calling out behaviour that needs calling out, for the WTA to stand up in the in the wake of the disappearance of Pong Shui and just say, no, we're not going to show any games in in China, we're not going to stage any tournaments in China. I, you know, I think again, that's that's a huge feather in the cap of the of the executives of that organisation to, to have the guts uh, to do that and do the right thing, no matter what the potential blowback from China to their business. So that 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 to me was a huge goal this year, Roger. Yeah, it's true. There's nothing to say about that. Uh, you see it very rarely. You see very very few people um, not playing to their own agenda in the world these days, whether in sport or anything else. I just, you know, look at that and um, uh, I just think, what's going on in the background? You know, I'm not I'm not saying that this isn't a pure decision and I agree with you completely. I, I'm just thinking, you know, what maybe have, there's the context that they've m- missed, I don't know. Uh, I don't, you know, the WTA, are they not hoping to merge with the ATP? I think that's right. You know, the ATP are in the middle of discussions with CVC. CVC are, let's say, very focused on the financial elements of anything. China's a big market. Uh, I just wonder. I wonder what's going on in the back. You know, uh, I, 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 you know, I, I've got friends that work in the ATP at a very high level. Never ask them about this because you never want to ask somebody that you know. You know, you're going to put them in, a, in an embarrassing spot. But you're right. This one is an incredibly interesting one to watch. I don't know what has driven that. Um, but well, I, Roger, I don't either. But the, well, the only thing I can tell you, you and I, between us, could sit here and come up with twenty-five really, really good reasons why they shouldn't have done that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, and only yeah, one yeah, yeah. why they should, which is it's the right thing to do. Um, yeah. So, you know, absolute kudos to them for, for doing that. Now, look, we don't know how it's going to play out, but um, I've got to say, in a world where the executives of many major sports have shown themselves to have uh, nothing but dollar signs either for the either for the sport itself or for themselves in their pockets and i have a funny feeling we'll be talking about fifa anyway for a little bit later on today i just thought it was it was just a yeah, fantastic pure, thing is, for these people absolutely to do correct you're, you're right it is a great goal it is a great goal the good one a good one uh, grant so should, at this point should we bring in one of our special guests for, to, to see what they've got for us who, who are we going to let lead off why don't we lead off with um, our old friend Ray Ranson. Let's do that. Here's, here's Ray Ranson's goal and goal for 2021. Hi, Raj. Here goes. Um, the best thing that happened in sports this year is the debacle of the European Super League, which, as you're well aware, these clubs or the major European clubs have been working behind the scenes for at least 10 years to... Um, you know, to uh, set up this European Super League. So the fact that it was shot down in flames within 48 hours is great news for everybody, as I've been advocating for the last 10 years 
to anybody who listen we already have a European Super League it's called the Champions League and I go to many games at the Etihad and many of the group games and they are boring as hell so adding more to that where there's nothing at stake i.e. nobody can get relegated or promoted etc um, was just purely about money so delighted that they finally put the head above the parapet and delighted that it was shot down in flames so um, so that's the good news uh, I think the the bad thing about um, this year is the recent events in Abu Dhabi. Uh, whilst I'm not a big Lewis fan, I thought he was hung out to dry in the last lap. Um, I am a big Formula One fan, as you know, and I can understand why they didn't want the final race to end in a uh, safety car but the rules are the rules and yeah i just think um they changed their mind so many times um lewis had no time to react um max verstappen got very lucky great theater great tv great controversy all the things that uh, formula one wants and needs but in the true spirit of the uh, sporting integrity i think that was really bad and um hamilton was hung out to dry in saying that i thought his reaction uh, after and since has been fantastic so he has gone up in my estimation i hope that's enough for you keep well speak to you soon mate beautiful well Roger, I said we might be talking about UEFA and the Super League and and FIFA at some point, but uh, no time like the present, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like, at the risk of, I think we 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 had a very good Super League debacle as a podcast <laughs> yeah, in the right. sense, in, in the sense that um, uh, I, I think we commented on it well. So I'm, I'm slightly reticent to, to to go back and just go over the old calls again. Um, well, a couple of things I will say. Uh, you, you know my view on this. It's easy and it, it's all true to comment on what was wrong with the Super League, both as a concept and both certainly as an execution. What people are too quick to just brush under the carpet is the fact that the status quo isn't working. And, and, and you know, uh, we've said that from a different, a million different angles. Let's just look at it from English football, which um, is in the middle of, you know, you know when populist governments have been asked to intervene in your sport, <laughs> there's something wrong. <laughs> the, the regulator. Um, English football, is the structure isn't working just now. Everything under the premiership is bust. You know, I could even go into the things about, you know, you get NFT consortia now trying to buy out Bradford City and, um, you know, every, everything is bust. And even in, in the Premiership, which is the land of milk and honey, you've only got four spots to what Ray calls, you know, the Champions League, uh, the Super League uh, de facto. Uh, that's That's not enough. I have to say to you, Grant, that everything I hear, that, that this idea isn't going away. You know, somebody once said you can't buck the market and and I just come back to product market fit. I think there's a market for top players playing at brand clubs, being at the centre of uh, the kind of like meme culture I talked about. Uh, everybody wants to talk about the big stars and the big celebs. 
Uh, I, I think that is very much a market that can be run properly and in, in a better way than today. And the challenge then is to say, well, what about the rest? What about the rest? The rest includes at least half the premiership. It includes, I'm just talking about England here, by the way. Yeah, yeah. It includes an, another, uh, what is it, 60, 70 clubs in the rest of the, 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 the professional football league. Uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, I hear you all. I hear you all about Super League. It's horrible. It shouldn't be. And the, the, they, they did it awfully. And the people running it from Perez to Agnelli are, are everything that football hates. And, and, and like, you're not going to get an argument there. All I say always, and, and whether it's in sport or life or business, is we are where we are, not where you would like us to be. And where we are is the status quo is unsustainable. So, you know, uh, I look around Grant and I see everything that's moving towards massive, ma massive change. And, and, and you know, I think that that needs to be managed with leadership. You know, just, you know, rejoicing with the Christmas carol in the background because that didn't work. I, I think we're better than that. And, you know, I love Ray. Uh, I, I love Ray and, and in many ways he's he's been my mentor in a lot of my thinking over the years because he's came, he came from the era that we all love, the 70s and the 80s, but he's an absolute innovator. But you know my view on on micro micro finance. I've I've said enough about it this year, and you know who knows what happens now. But this isn't going away. Yeah, I I have to say I agree with that. I mean, I agree with Ray very much that it was a big. Uh, yeah, it was an own goal that they did it, and it was a goal that it got shot down so fast. But you're right, Roger. That unfortunately, the barbarians are at the gates now, and um, and they're not going away. They've set up camp, and they will keep coming back until they find a way to get something done here. I don't know what it'll look like. As badly as they handled it, they'll have got plenty of feedback about how it, how it was taken, how it was attacked. And these are smart people. They'll they'll wrap that into the next approach, right, and, and try and take the sting out of the criticism as it comes. So, yeah, like, I think I think this was, this was the beginning rather than the end of that particular story. So we'll see how it plays out. But, Rog, moving on to... Um, the, the Formula One thing, and again, this is this is not going to be the the last time we discuss this particular thing before the end of the show, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, I think again, Ray's points are all well taken, and and I and I find it very interesting this the reaction to this, and he, and he kind of made the caveat that he's no big fan of Lewis Hamilton, and that's what's been very interesting to me because Lewis Hamilton is beloved by many. But there's, for, for whatever reason, and he is arguably the greatest Formula One driver of all time, others, myself included, would probably say he's still got a better centre to have that achievement as a, Jim, as a natural Jim driver. Jim Clark. Jim Clark, yep, no, absolutely right, Jim Clark. But his record is going to stand up there at the top of the sport, and yet for someone that, that makes a lot of right moves from a PR standpoint, Rog, he's not universally loved. And I find that very interesting because I felt exactly the same way uh, as Ray did. You know, I'm, I'm not, I have a tremendous amount of respect for what Lewis Hamilton's done. I have no great love for the man. As a personality, I don't find much to warm to there, but I respect the hell out of his talent. And, and so it was interesting to me that so many people who don't love Lewis Hamilton were immediately behind him saying, this was an outrage, this was disgraceful, blah, 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 all the stuff we saw just tells you how confusing the decision-making was around the ending. And, and Ray nailed it, right? It was great theatre. It was great TV. It's kept 
Formula One in, in the social media spheres long after the season has ended. They'll get another boost when Drive to Survive comes out. I mean, what happened for the sports uh, governing body was, I mean, it could not have been any more perfect, right? And you do wonder. You do wonder about the motivations behind decisions. Now, in the heat of the moment, when Massey is making those decisions, it's hard to believe that he's thought out some long-term strategy before he's made those decisions. I'm sure these were decisions made on the fly. But to me, it's a huge black eye for the sport, what's happened here in the one sense, just the chaos and the and the the clear lack of any process for 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 a set of given circumstances which could impact an entire year's work by so many people but on the other side boy have they got what they want and what they crave in this age of the social media meme as you call it yeah there is a lot of meat in this discussion the first one about lewis what you say is absolutely correct and, and you know, we on this podcast, I don't think we we ever shy away from, you know, what is thought and, and never said. Why is he not popular? Many people will say uh, it's, it's uh, male, pale and stale guys not liking a black guy. Many people will say that. I think that Ray's reaction, your reaction, my reaction about how much Lewis went up in our estimation that weekend, I think kind of proves that that's nonsense. Uh, you know, why why is Lewis Hamilton not liked? You know, there's that meme that goes around, you know, Formula One drivers in the 70s and you get, you know, James Hunt, you know, looking a million dollars. And then, you know, Formula One drivers in the 2020s and you see Lewis Hamilton in some kind of like coloured fur coat uh, with it with the dreadlocks and you know on a skateboard i can't remember and you, and, and like I, I, that's the, that's the real thing you know like it, he he doesn't come across as what i think we believe because it's still our generation formula one we believe it is the archetypal uh, look for for a formula one driver which frankly is sideburns birds <laughs> and, and, and like Mon- Monte Carlo, Monte Carlo glamour, you know, and um, uh, uh, and, and and you know, but so so this is a, this is a difficult nuanced one because, you know, uh, I'm, I want to come on now to um, to Bernie and Liberty, you know, what I just said is maybe people thinking that I enjoyed the old way, Bernie's way, if you want to put a, a label on it, Bernie Eccleston was killing Formula One, frankly. You know, his ideas about not appealing to a younger audience because, quotes they don't have the money to spend uh, on a Rolex watch has been proven by Liberty in the last four or five years, certainly the, in the Drive to Survive era, uh, as total nonsense. So um, Lewis Hamilton is, is, is a funny one. And I genuinely believe it's got nothing to do with racism, apart from the lunatic fringes. The, the number of people that... They just don't like him as a personality. But but honestly, you know, and I think this year when we've commented on some of the races, we've been very generous to Lewis and how he has, you know, kept that going under what was an inevitable, you know, what I call um, a change in, in the direction of the wind. Uh, the Red Bull and Verstappen uh, were coming and were coming very strong. And I think a lesser driver than Lewis would have not kept this going to the last race. I think he, he did remarkably well this year. He handled what happened in Abu Dhabi with enormous grace. But, you know, again, you know, you know me, I'm always thinking, how did that happen? Anybody that got in his ear 
in those half hour, that half hour or 15 minutes before he had to give his interview, you're going to say to him, you're going to say to him, this isn't for you to fight or moan about. We're going to do that. You play magnanimous because that will play well if we're going to make an appeal and all that. So, you know, yeah, not only was it, did it sound really good? It was the smart play to play magnanimous, whether it was authentic or not. It doesn't really matter. So, you know, kudos to Lewis Hamilton. Uh, he's got his knighthood. Good for him. Is he going to race again? I don't know. And everybody says that he's so scunnered that he's not going to come back. Whatever, we'll see. But, you know, in the general thought that people at Formula One manufactured this to make it, you know, the drive to survive finish, to make it, you know, perfect sport theatre. I just don't buy that, Grant. You know, I, I, no, I think it's incompetence, Rog. Yeah, cock up over, cock up over yeah. conspiracy is normally the answer. Mazzy, in the kindest form of it, is doing a job that is too big for immediate decisions by one man. It's just too big a job, too much at stake if you're being generous. If you're not being generous, um, this is a clerk who is promoted above his abilities, uh, who, who um, wants to be the protagonist. And, you know, whenever the administrator or the referee is the story, you know you've got something wrong in sport. Yeah. And that that is exactly what happened. I feel sorry for Lewis. I actually feel sorry for all those people at Mercedes. I'm not talking about all the people you saw on the screen. I'm talking about all the ones that work back in the office and all their bonuses are, 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 are maybe related to that and maybe they're watching that and they see a lot of money flying out the window. Maybe that's right, maybe that's wrong. I don't know. Um, I feel sorry for them. I feel delighted for Max Verstappen because, you know, he, he he's a flawed guy. You know, like he is... So driven that in many ways it's 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 dangerous. He, I'm, I don't like his whole father background. You know, I don't know if you, you you're into that and all of that, but his father's story is not ideal. And and you know, if he's going to be you know the, the the fruit from the tree of his father, then I'm not sure that's the kind of hero I want. But so far, he's a magnificent driver. Box office. Uh, I, I loved Perez's defending uh, on that race. Uh, just absolutely thought that was magnificent. You know, so it was great. I wouldn't go as far to say as Lewis was hung out to dry, but I feel enormous sympathy for him. Uh, and at the end of the day, he is he is an, an amazing driver. There, there, that is without doubt now, an amazing driver. And, and, you know, let's see where Formula One kicks on to now because they have built a beachhead not just in Europe and in the traditional market, but in the States with younger audiences with Drive to Survive, they've got a real chance to be a major, major player now. And, and let's see what happens with the new budget rules and everything like that next year. The return of Ferrari, maybe, who knows? Yeah, dream and, on, and, dream on. Yeah. Como boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny, it's funny Rog. The, uh, you know, as I said, with, with Lewis, you're right, whether he was fuming and whether he was just towing the party line, is irrelevant, right? Because he pulled it off. And like the, like yeah. the old saying goes, if, if you, sincerity is important, if you can fake that, you've got it made. And and he did, right? He pulled it off and he didn't come across as bitter and he didn't come across as... And I'm so glad that you were wrong about one thing. And that is the fact that you were adamant that this was going to end up in the courts. And for whatever reason, I don't care why it didn't end up in the courts, but thank God it didn't because there was no good outcomes there. If Mercedes no. had won in the court, it would have been tainted forever. If Red Bull had won after a court battle, it would have taken away the gloss from from what they achieved this year. So, you know, whether Mercedes saw sense and backed down or they were told, 
even got a chance in hell of winning this. It doesn't really matter. The oh, fact that this was set on the they track. Got what they wanted in a settlement. Yeah, who knows, right? Either way, right? But but the, the, the fact that this wasn't dragged out through the courts and it was over within yeah, 48 100%. hours is, is huge. Well, let's, let's bring another one of our guests in. Um, why don't we go to, given what we've just been talking about, why don't we go to uh, a great friend of the show, my mate Eddie Pepperell, and let's see what his goal and own goal of the year were. Hello, guys. This is Eddie Pepperell for my goal, own goal of the year 2021. I think uh, the goal this year, the highlight was, uh, certainly for me anyway, as a proud Brit, was um, seeing uh, Max Verstappen win the World Championship. And uh, I think I think my own goal was um, realising Novak Djokovic, uh, you know, becoming an anti-vaxxer. I think we can all see and, and believe, you know, if, if he'd have just waited to be vaccinated, then he would never have been responsible for a super spreader event. So uh, he really screwed that one up. Um, I hope that's okay, guys. And uh, I uh, wish you all a happy new year. And I look forward to seeing you in 2022. Yeah, <laughs> classic Eddie, right? I mean, there's someone who who isn't swayed by Lewis Hamilton <laughs> and doesn't have any, uh, any great uh, affinity for Lewis and um, has once again, his tongue planted firmly in his cheek. You know, the, 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 the Djokovic thing, Rog, obviously um, Novak is, is making a firm stand against getting vaccinated, which is going to probably mean he doesn't compete in the Australian open this year. And, you know, after coming so close to the calendar year grand slam last year, you know, falling short in the final of the U S open, obviously, Djokovic has a limited number of years left to be playing at this level. So it, to me, it just shows how strongly he holds his views about not getting the vaccination, you know. And, and yeah, Eddie's, Eddie's cracked there about the super spread event. I, I can't remember the exact story, but I remember there was there was something, there was a, a, an event that uh, I think it was a, a, his, his group at the end of year WTA events, and it turned out that so, some of them were, positive and it it it, uh, it ended up being a bit of a story but um you know for for an athlete one of the one of the, the the most fit strong healthy athletes in the world to be taking such a firm high profile stance against this vaccination to me i find very interesting you know we've got a couple of people in the nba doing the same thing and they have been absolutely kind of ostracized from that community you know Novak Djokovic, rogers. Uh, aaron rogers as well yeah exactly right in, in the nfl Novak Djokovic is the biggest name in the sport, arguably. And so to have the biggest name in your sport be, and I hate this term anti-vaxxer, uh, I'm not going to label him that because it's it's a choice he's having, he's making for himself and, and for his own body or whatever, but to have someone that high profile in your sport refuse to take the vaccine is a gigantic headache for the men's professional tennis tour. Yeah. Listen, this whole, uh, well, first of all, thanks to Eddie. And, and you know, the, what he said about um, Verstappen is, is a little bit what I said before. In terms of COVID and vaccinations, it's a bigger story than, than goal on goal or, are you not entertained or, or even golf or tennis. Uh, you know, we, we've all got people in and around our families that feel very strongly about this. Uh, I, I've got a no vaccine in my family. Um you know, the, the way I look at it, Grant, is I, I, I'm a great pragmatist in a lot of ways. You know, if this is, you know, one of the versions of the conspiracy theory, 
drug company profits one microchips to control you to you know create an emergency to pass to, to, to take your freedoms away three they've won you know there's nothing you can do about that i don't think you know they have got to a position now that if you have got an anti-vax stand you re you really can't lead a life you know you can't go anywhere so you know i'm a great believer that you know when you're in a situation where there's not a lot you can do about it cut your losses and uh get on with it i have no i have no strong opinion about the science in this and and what it is and 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 you know strangely for me i i just don't have a, a strong view what i do know is that as, as an exports administrator myself this whole thing is is as difficult as it gets for for sport. You know, we, we're we're sitting here now and we're talking about uh, the calendar of the Premier League being cut over um, Christmas and New Year. We're talking about FA Cup replays being um, abolished to make space in the calendar for for the games. We're talking about many clubs uh, again, just talking about England, where most of the players haven't been vaccinated or and or have got COVID. Uh, I can tell you that for a fact. A lot of them aren't, uh, and and poor sports administrators are having to work out what they do, and uh, with one hat on for the integrity of the tournament, and, and another hat on to to manage all the commercial contracts that that, that underpin the economics of everybody, you know. So. Yeah, I understand uh, Djokovic, understand Aaron Rodgers, understand Joe Rogan, but you know I, I I'm not sure I'm not sure this is a battle worth worth fighting, and 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 I do have immense sympathy for everybody that's doing the kind of job that that, that I, I know what it's like in there, and you know I really feel sorry for them because there's no win here, and um, yeah I get Eddie Eddie I think has been one of the people as a very thoughtful and reflective young man who has suffered more than anybody these two years of COVID. I believe it's affected his game. I believe it's got him into a place where, um, coming back to the point I made earlier, that um, some people mentally struggle with it more than others, lockdown and things like that. Uh, so I understand them fully. I, I just am a great believer of, as I said before, we are where we are. They have put us in a situation now where if you don't want to get vaccinated, you have got a life that is a pale imitation of what you had two years ago. And we just need to uh, deal with that. Well, look, listen, this, as you, as you said at the beginning, this is, uh, this, this podcast, this platform is not the place to get into the weeds in this debate. I, I, there are so many ways I disagree with you so strongly on that, Rog. It's not even funny, but oh, we'll, really? we'll, we'll oh, take really? the COVID, we'll take the COVID discussion offline. Cause that's, that's not what this is about. I sympathise with Eddie. I sympathise. I sympathise with anybody that doesn't want to be forced to take a vaccine. I, you know, I just, I just think that is um, that is a real problem for me, Rod. You know, it's it's fine to say, look, we want everyone to get it and to encourage it. When you say, look, you're not allowed to have a life if you don't have this vaccine, which is a very experimental vaccine, and it might well be fine, but to force anybody to have to take it, I just think is is coercion of the worst kind, you know? Yeah, but so, I get that, Graham, but we've been here before. You know, you know, I remember very specifically when my children were just born, there was the whole MMR uh, thing um, that was significantly more information and data that it caused, uh, had a link to autism. 
we didn't have a choice. We, 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 so like, this isn't new. This isn't new. Um, and anyway, like you say, it's not. Well, Rog, we, listen, we could take that we've been here before down all kinds of different roads. So let's leave it. Let's leave it. And let's, let's bring one of yeah, our yeah. guests in. Yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Why don't we hear from uh, Elliot Richardson? Let's hear what Elliot has to say about 2021. Hi guys, um, Merry Christmas to everybody. My goal, own goal this year, goal was reaching the final of the Euros as an Englishman and being able to take all my three generations of the Richardsons to the final. Um, and the own goal was unfortunately what happened in the final on so many different levels, but um, reaching a final was uh, magical. We just couldn't get that extra step and losing the way we did just sort of summed it all up. Um, have a wonderful uh, Christmas and uh, Happy New Year to everybody, and uh, thanks again. Well, obviously, this was always going to come up, which is why neither you and I wanted to make it one of our own headline goal known goals. We knew we were going to talk about it. But, um, yeah, I was really interested in what Elliot said there, Rog. You know, he said his, his goal was England reaching the final of the Euros. And for me personally, that was always, as a, as a kid growing up, as, as a teenager growing up, as a young man growing up, as an old man growing old, it's always been my dream to see England play in a major final. The result at that point, if you win, it would have been absolute gravy. You know, I'd love to experience what you saw those Italian fans experiencing that night. But when you've lived your whole life without seeing them even play in a major final, for me, it was always about, I just want to see them walk out on that pitch and play in a final. And then you roll the dice. You don't know what's going to happen. We can talk about the game and I know we will, but to me, the same way I had this feeling about when I went to watch Fulham play in the Europa League final with my dad, it was all about the day. It was all about going to Hamburg to watch this little team that I've supported all my life play in a major European final. Everything else was gravy. And, and you know, my mate Colin O'Donnell, who we'll hear from later, said to me when I went to Hamburg for that game, he said, you know, I'm so jealous. He's a big Arsenal fan as, as regular listeners As is Elliot. As is Elliot. As is Elliot. Uh, uh, you know, he said to me that day, he said, you know, I'm jealous because I'm so used to these occasions now, it becomes all about the result. And I'm pissed off if we lose. And for, for a few days, I'm over the moon that we win. And that, that, that window of being overjoyed gets shorter and shorter because you just come to expect to be in the major finals. And then, you know, the, the result overshadows everything. So he was jealous that I got to experience that day with my dad with no expectations about the result and really hope, but no real care about the outcome, Rog. And so for me, I, I looked at it exactly the same way as Elliot did. It was like the result didn't go away. We can't complain. It wasn't like we were robbed. Uh, it wasn't like we weren't outplayed, certainly in the second half, an extra time by Italy. It went the way it did. And, and I, I didn't, lose any sleep over it. I didn't on, on the Monday morning, I wasn't bothered about it. It was still it was still great to have watched England uh play in a European Championship final. Um before I come in, uh, I think he's also referring to some of the stuff about the fans on the day and, you know, how that went down and uh, I think that's um that's an element of it as well. Uh, but you know in terms of 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 we running up to the Euros, you know, this is all on tape so people can check it out. We said very much that England had a real chance. Certainly I did. And, uh, you know, this is where I think you and I differ a little bit. And in many ways, and I admire you. The way I look at that, I'm not an England fan, although, I, you know, I, I, I was very happy to follow them uh, because I, I'm really, really impressed by their bunch of young players uh, that we said that had, they had a real chance. I, I think uh, England lost a tournament they should have won. 
uh, and that that never's going to go down well with me. Um, it doesn't hurt me that much. Even it, not... it must hurt your inner Scotsman. It must. It must appeal to him. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I mean, think about it. You know, listen. Th- th- there's a serious point here, and 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 hopefully something that England can build on. When we talked about the, the Euros and and how optimistic I was about England, it's because of their their, their selection of young players that that I think um, of the envy of of many, the envy of many. You know, and and I sadly felt that when push came to shove, just as they had done with Croatia in the World Cup semi-final, they crapped it, to use a Glasgow term. They crapped it, <laughs> you know? Um, you, you've got a team full of young, energetic, really talented players that can dominate the ball, which means dominate the match, and you put a double pivot of... Um, uh, Rice and, and and Phillips, the Leeds guy. England, if they want to win things, I mean win things, not just be happy that you're walking out, you've got to put your trust in the ball players. A guy like Phil Foden, uh, even Jude Bellingham. I'll tell you another one that's coming up. Um, Rose Smith, uh, the Arsenal Smith guy. Smith Whatever, you know, like, um, <laughs> his name's not important. You know what's important for me? If you look closely and whisper this, if you look closely, he runs and he holds the ball like Francesco Totti. Somebody listening to this put video of them at that age side by side. They run the same fucking way, man. They, uh, so like, what, what, what the point I'm making is England is full of beautiful talent and against Croatia, they took the lead and then sat back and they get beat. You give the ball to Luka Modric or Verratti and, and Jorginho, you're going to get beat. They were massively outplayed in the second half. It, it, it was like shitty in. Um, I agree. And, and, you know, and, and that's not good enough because you had a squad that almost man for man was better than the Italians. Right, but, it, Rog, but, Rog, but, but hang on. But going back to what I said and what Elliot said, to me, I, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I'm not, I'm not disputing it. But I think my mentality and Elliot's mentality probably lead to the fact that we don't want to take risks because we don't want to lose, right? It's not about winning. Now, the next time, God forbid, they get into the World Cup final in Qatar, you never know. They've, got, they've certainly got the squad to do they've it. They've got a great chance. Yeah, they've got a great chance. But I suspect the next time they get in there, they will try and play to win rather than you know, you know get what, the goal Grant, and not I, 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 I don't think that's the case. Uh, and wh- why do I say that first? Uh, and this, uh, this, I think this is very interesting. And, and it's, you know, what we mentioned six months ago before the event. I believe English football, uh, the reason it has won nothing, I mean nothing, for yeah, 60 years. All right, years, all right, all right. Nothing, nothing. All right, and, and Tavish, knock it on the head. <laughs> is because they do not put their trust in the talent. Glenn Hoddle was never embraced. Paul Scholes was never embraced. Two players that would have walked into any national team, Brazil, Italy, France, you name it, Spain, you name it. They're never trusted because at the end of the day, you go for, you know, that guy that will do it, you know, really consistently. And, you know, he's a top, top. That's not good enough at this level. You see the way Man City play now. You've got to dominate the ball. You've got to have players that are flexible, that are intelligent enough to, to create um, um, over positions and, 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 and advantages and man to man. England haven't done that yet. 
I, I believe one of the reasons is I just don't think they've got the coaching ability to do that. You know, uh, Gareth kind of like hides that a little bit, and he's got this kind of like Saint Gareth uh, that I think is not deserved. I don't, don't think he's. I mean, a magnificent coach. I think he kind of like is okay and like plays the media game well. But if you again look at who England put in charge of their under twenty ones, it's a joke. It truly is a joke. And and if you line line that up to the fact that you know the English Premiership is basically dominated by foreign coaches, you know. You've got the players. You've got the players because guess what? They've been coached by Klopp and Guardiola and, and Conte. You, you've got the players now. You don't have the coaches. And I don't think you've got the mentality. You have got to say, Phil Foden, where's he going to play? He's certainly going to start. Um, I don't think we want him out wide left because he's just too important for us. We're going to create the team around him. You know, you just got to say, who are our best? But that's what Italy did. You know, like who, who's going to who's going to be in the middle of the park and dominate that ball? And it's Verratti, it's Barella, and it's Jorginho. And like England never saw the ball in the second half. Uh, so you know, um, you know, you don't play finals, Grant. You win finals. And and England have got to get past this. Well, it's, it's a mindset. Need- Come on, it's a mindset you develop, right? It's just a mindset you develop. And England have been so used to failure that it's been about not failing for so long because it was so important to the public, but. The All pressure right. put on them. It's just been. A, it's just a culture. That's why. That's why I would hope that the next time they get there, they, they've broken that, that that the back of that that old problem of not getting to a final. Let's let's hope they get to the World Cup in twenty twenty two and then go out to try and win it. You're right. You're, you're absolutely right. You do win finals, but they didn't play to win. They they got ahead and they played not to lose. And and I home, I understand. Yeah. I totally understand why. Well, let's um let's bring in another of our guests. Um, talking of him, we mentioned him just a minute ago. Let's hear let's hear from Colin O'Donnell. Season's greetings, uh, gentlemen. My goal for 2021 are the feats of Irish national hunt jockey Rachel Blackmore. She won the champion hurdle, Grand National, and Irish champion hurdle in one year. She also became the first female jockey to win the Ruby Walsh leading jockey at the Cheltenham Festival. She had a great quote when she won the Grand National, when she dismounted. I don't feel male or female right now. I don't even feel human. It's unbelievable. She was a great tonic for a sport that took a real battering this year via Gordon Elliott and Robbie Dunn. My own goal was the attempt at a European Super League. Clumsy and cack-handed in execution and entitlement and the total lack of ability to read the room. I wouldn't have Florentino Perez run my bath. Well, look, we, we, we've talked about the, the Super League, and, and I, I think we've done that one by now, Rog. But um, you know, this Rachel Blackmore story is is amazing for me for a couple of reasons. One, what an unbelievable year she had in a male-dominated sport, and two, just how far under the radar those achievements flew. Now, I've been overseas, so yeah, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't front and center for me at any point during the year. It was only from chatting with Colin and other people that, that were following it that I managed to follow the events. I mean, how great that she won the World Sports Star of the Year Award given the competition from from you know, major, Col- major yeah. stars. Colin that. recorded this before that came out. So he did, yeah, exactly right. Colin. Kudos yeah, he, to Colin. Absolutely right. He, got, he, he called that absolutely perfectly. But what a phenomenal year, Rog. Well, listen, you know, uh, I, I probably think this is the best goal of 2021 and Colin, Colin's nailed it. You know, a um, couple of things I would say about this. First one is the whole sport of horse racing is classically in the, in the, in the middle of 
a whole lot of pangs of how it evolves from here. It is very old, very male-dominated, got a whole lot of these awful attitudes. I mean, the Robbie Dunn story and the yeah. sexism involved there is absolutely sickening. Absolutely sickening. Uh, Gordon Elliott, um, you know, animal lovers, I, I don't advise you to Google Gordon Elliott if you, if you want to have a good day. This is a sport that badly, badly needs a total reset in terms of where it's going to go. Um, there's a lot of really great people that are coming into this now. Shout out to Charlie Boss at the Jockey Club. Fresh eyes, how are they going to do it? Uh, a big, big, big task there. But, you know, for, this is the second point of it, for a female athlete to dominate uh, on merit, no quotas, no thing about, oh, you must eat, give me the equal wages, you must set me out immediately the same as the men, which, that doesn't work. It, it just doesn't work. She proved everybody what it can be. I mean, she dominated. Yeah. And, uh, absolutely dominated. And and her quote, coming off the horse is right, I'm not a girl, I'm not a boy. You know, I'm, I'm the fucking yeah. best jockey in the world this year. You know, and, and like that's what women's sport should aspire to. Not fake, pumped up economics so they can say we're the same as the men. Just go and do it. Go out and do it. And 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 and, th and this girl, uh, I think, you know, on reflection, well, this Roger, is absolutely uh, the goal uh, of the year. Uh, yeah, look, I, I think it, it's a fantastic goal from Colin. Um, and, I, and I have to say that this is one of those few sports where you can have an absolutely level playing field, right? It's, a, it's about weight. And it's handicapped for a lot of these things. Look, for, for the people that don't understand this quite so much, the, the Grand National, which which Blackmore won this year, is 182 years old. And no female jockey ever. 182. Forget the Open yeah. Championship. Forget all this stuff, right? This is this is almost 200 years that no one's done what she did. And the yeah. list of the list of people that she beat out for this world sports star, and this is a this is a vote. Novak Djokovic was on there. Canelo was on there. Tom Brady was on there. Max Verstappen was on there. Uh, I think there were a couple of others, but 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 those names, Rog, for, for Rachel Blackmore to beat them out, it's 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 extraordinary and 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 fully fully warranted, you know, for, for the for the year she had. You know, look, we're seeing a similar thing with Fallon Sherrick in darts. You know, here's another sport where you can have a completely level playing field. You know, you, you're throwing darts from the same distance away. There's no advantage to being a man, no disadvantage to being a woman. And Fallon Sherrick is creating, to your delight, I'm sure, some of the best uh, meme content that you're seeing, oh, some of the amazing. greatest shares in Twitter. Yeah. It's yeah. fabulous to see this stuff, Rog. And, and, you know, look, we've talked in the past at length about the opportunity golf has here to try and, yes. to try and do something. Now, it's tough to get that completely even playing field. You can even it up. There are ways you can do it in golf. It's never going to be exactly the same because the men have such a big length advantage to the women currently. But again, golf, I suspect, in the, in the next two or three years, and we had a hint of that from Keith Pelley, there, there are things coming that will allow women and men to compete on an equal basis that are going to be really exciting, I think. Yeah, uh, I think that's she's a hero, an absolute hero. And... Um, I think we've been big proponents of, of women's sport. Uh, I, I'm very bullish on mixed events and golf. And like you say, when the handicap thing can in some way even it out, um, it's, you know, they, these are great, great athletes. 
you know, so she is she is a, a guiding light. And in many ways, it's sad, as you said, it's gone so much under the radar. You know, uh, the, the, this is an amazing achievement. And uh, hats off to her and, and look to her for the future of the women's sport model. Fantastic. Well, listen, we can't um, we can't have a goal on goal this year without uh, without letting the captain chime in. So why don't we um, why don't we hear from uh, our old shipmate Giles Morgan see what what his thoughts on the year were? Hi guys, it's Giles here, the captain, uh, reflecting on 2021 and the highs and lows, and there've been a lot of both. But I think my goal. Uh, this year has been the sheer elation of watching Emma Raducanu win the US Open um, earlier this year. A lot of people talking about whether she'll make it on the big time and and, and no one knows for sure. But the elation, the joy of just an 18-year-old young woman um, starting up and doing the impossible for me was just extraordinary, the sheer delight and felt very real. Sometimes with women's sport, it gets a little bit forced that we have to like it, where upon I believe that every fan gets a choice, no matter of gender or anything else, just to love sport for for sport's sake. And that was genuinely, that that was it. Um, My own goal was uh, Peng uh, Peng Shui, um, where it looks like she's been censored. Um, She was missing for a long time. No one's quite sure what's going on, but... When we talk all the time about sport being bigger than the world and it can change governments, it can change politics, this was just a very bitter reality check that um, sport plays a very important role, but maybe uh, sometimes the big stake can um, can be bigger than that. And that was a, a sad time uh, in 2021. But a Merry Christmas to all our listeners. Thank you very much for all of your support uh, over the year and the, the years we've been going, are you not entertained? Many, many more shows to come in 2022. Merry Christmas and a happy new year. Well, Roger, uh, yeah, look, it's it, this seemed the perfect time to have Giles come on there. Um, talk about Emirate Akanu. Um, you know, for me, this would have been one of my goals of the year for sure. And, and I figured we'd leave it because we get a chance to talk about it after the captain chimed in. It was a magical couple of weeks, and you know, yes, we we've had the discussion on the show about what happens now, and and I, I, we all know your views on it. Well, um, do we? But, because I, I'm but, not sure what people think my views are. But well, listen, I'm under no illusion that you won't be clarifying them in a second when I turn the mic over to you. But it was to me, as a purist, it was two glorious weeks when a, a young woman basically climbed to the very top of her sport, playing wonderful tennis and just knocking over everybody they put in front of her with with fluent tennis, with confidence, without seemingly any doubt, without any weakness. She just had two great weeks, Rog. And, and what happens from here, we'll see. We'll see. It's certainly the rest of the year didn't go that well, but I, I think there are plenty of mitigating circumstances for why that was the case. Next year, it's going to be different. But you know, like Giles, I, I, I think you, you get a chance to enjoy everything that sport is about. You know, the, the 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 underdog, the talent, the youth, the occasion, all of it wrapped up into a, a phenomenal two weeks, which no matter what happens, the, the, the poise, the class, everything about this young woman makes me hope against all hope, Rog, that she becomes 
one of the top stars in that game because I think she will be a phenomenal ambassador for it in, in, in ways we haven't seen for a long, long time. I agree with all of that. There's nothing to say about that. She is, you couldn't design the, the, the perfect modern uh, sports star better than her. Uh, from her background, uh, from the way she looks, um, the the kind of energy and and positivity that that she just kind of bla- breaks through the screen. Uh, that, that you're you're absolutely right on that. And and you know to to come and win a major, you know, like this isn't winning you know the, the local tournament. This is winning a major. There's many many wonderful sports stars in golf and tennis who never won a major. She's done it. You know, she could stop now and still have the stories for the grandchildren. You know, so hats off to her. Hats off to her. You know, this is just a little bit my character, Grant. You know, um, my my thought is, yeah, and now? It's just who I am, mate. It's, I know, I know, I know, I know. You know, uh, because, you know, like, Richard Krychek won Wimbledon. Yeah, who remembers Richard Krychek? You know, so... I, I really like feel like screaming and saying, man, and now, you know, and, and, and I, I'm slightly scared that um, she'll not manage to find that moment of focus again. Um, I, I, and, you know, it becomes two weeks where the tennis gods and the karma all came together and, and the luck of the draw as well. And she did it. Um I don't want that to be the end of her story. I, I, and, you know, that's what I, I want people to see. She is, you couldn't make it up better, the kind of sports personality she is. Her background, every, you couldn't make it up better. So I don't want her to end. I don't want her to be a 2021 version of Do, Joe Dolce, you know? Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't want that. You know, like, I feel quite passionate about that. Go on, girl, go on, you know, because it's it's yours to take. More interestingly, I think, is also the fact that we're starting to see in, in tennis, it's what I mentioned before, it's all this mental health thing, you know, um, the right to say, I'm not up for it this week, my, you know, my head's not right, I'm going to sit out this major, um, you know, uh, we've seen a lot of examples of that, and we're seeing this younger generation of sports star, man and woman, all of a sudden, this is the point at Charlie at the start, Charlie Woods at the start, you know, uh, I, I think we, our generation, we need to really get into our heads that the younger kids, if they're not feeling right in the head, they're going to tell you and they're going to say, deal with it. And and, I, and that's fascinating because like our generation just does not understand that, Grant. Just doesn't yeah. understand it. And, and we need to. Um, so uh, I, I can't root anymore for Emma in, in 2022. It's, and now, girl, what are you going to show me? Because you've got the world at your feet. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I don't think you're a bad guy, Rog. I know you, I know you want the best for her. I know you want the best for her. Uh, you know, look, Charles, Charles mentioned uh, a story that was you know, my my number one goal of the year. It was, was the WTA's uh, stance on, on, on the Pong Shui thing. Um, you know, Giles mentioned that, that she disappeared for, for months on end. No one knew where she was. I did check she was not playing in midfield for Norwich City. That was the first place that I figured it. <laughs> Well, look, look, we, I, we, we joke about it, but obviously it's 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 serious. You know, there's there's been there's been footage uh, emerged this week of her, you know, basically climbing down and saying, "Oh, I, I never said any of those things that I said," and I just feel terrible because there's clearly coercion here. Who knows what kind of pressure she's under? 
you know, I, I, you can see this turning into a seventy style defection. You know, if she gets to, if she gets to play in another overseas event, Rog, you can see this potentially being another major moment where she is somehow free to tell her story. I don't think we've heard the last of this. Uh, I certainly surely, hope we haven't heard. A uh, big pun. Surely, the, the 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 thing to really try and understand here is where the IOC sits in all of this. That was Giles's big thing when this first happened. You know, um, his his ire was directed towards the IOC. They've got an Olympics coming up, and I don't think they have got any option. Although the bar is so low for these kind of like mega sports um, institutions. We've got very little expectations that they'll do the right thing ever. Uh, but I can't see they've got any option but to opine on this. You know, they are taking the Olympic movement yeah. to China where it appears... They'll dodge it, Rog. They'll dodge it? They'll how dodge can, it. How, how, I'm... <laughs> I you see this is the thing I don't understand, Grant. Like I said, you know, I, I so admire the younger generations and the way that they feel about important things to them, whether it's mental health or social issues or, or you know, how they need to look after the world in a better way than our generation did. And and yeah, we say they'll dodge it because that's the cynical world that we've lived in all our life, Grant. I think they aspire to something better, and I can't see how you can dodge this. Wow. This, this. They say if you live long enough, you'll see it all, Rog. You losing your cynicism, that's what I never thought I'd live to see. Well, well you know, like, I, I just, I, I, I look to these younger generations so much as, you know, in many ways we screwed up so many things and, and they, they're out in many ways the hope for it. And, and I hope that they can get their stuff together the way they'll get together on things like climate change and everything else and just say, no. This is one of ours. This girl is one of ours, our generation. She's clearly been coerced. Who knows what's going on? Uh, we're not going to support your Olympics. We don't care about all the sponsors and the corporates. Right, Raj, Raj, we, we've, uh, we've had the diplomatic boycott, right? We've had that already. We're not going to send any of our blazered buffoons to Beijing for this, for this event. Big deal. Right? What message does that send? Yeah, yeah that's it doesn't, nothing. It doesn't, it doesn't send an, a message. But if you if you think for one second in the corridors of power at the IC, they don't feel like, okay, we've done what we had to do. We've made a stand. We can still have the event on. Don't worry, lads. We, it's just it's just nonsense, the whole thing, Rog. They're not gonna, they, they will not stand up and do what they ought to do. And we, and we all know what that is. It's certainly not don't send the blazers. But they're just going to. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Think you're right, off. Grant. But what I'm saying is they're going to uh, they're going to misread uh, the room, if to use that phrase, which our generation does so often. We just don't see how kids think different, and and you know um, we've got Qatar before that, and you know that's already started a little bit of stuff there. Um, I, I think this Chinese one uh, could really surprise the IOC if they get a, 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 a groundswell of opinion that says this isn't on, you're not going to treat one of ours like this. I think it could pick up a lot of momentum. All right, um, Roger, we've got a couple of, uh, couple of guests left. Um, the first one uh, from friend of the show, our old mate uh, and your fellow Glaswegian, Jim Kerr. Let's see what Jim's view on the year was. My goal of the year would have been seeing Italy win the Euros. Now, as soon as I say that, some people will say, well, you're a Scotsman, so of course you wanted Italy to win the final against England. That's absolutely garbage. In fact, 
I've been supporting Italy since I was 13. School took me on a trip to Rimini, I was 13. And I became passionate about Italian football and particularly the Italian national team. I even went to LA to see them and what was possibly the most boring World Cup final ever when they played uh, Brazil. They didn't win that one, unfortunately. Anyway, seeing them win the Euros for me was the goal of the year. Own goal of the year, again, for me, it's football-related. Um, still can't believe the mess that um, the Giants, the Spanish Giants, got themselves into Barcelona and Madrid, but particularly uh, Barcelona. I was just, I just could not believe the mess that club is in. Ah, Rog, you know, listen, I, when I first listened to that, when he said about uh, Italy winning the Euros, I was like, yeah, come on, typical bloody Scotsman. But he then, he then won me back again with his reasoning. I hadn't realised he was such a such a big fan of of the country and the place. And it, fair play, I, I, I can I can swallow my pride for that one. Well, you know, the 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 image of Italian football is something, you know, I think Jim's alluding to and we need to talk a little bit about it here. I, I'm, I'm slightly different because, you know, obviously I've got a major Italian heritage and spent a lot of my childhood in the summers, the school holidays in Italy playing football. So, you know, my my love for them is, is I think, quite, quite authentic in that respect. But, you know, over the years... Um, I've marvelled, Grant, I'd love to you know, hear your view, but I've marvelled at the way people look at Italian football because it's it doesn't go unobserved in the sense that um, you, at one end of the spectrum, you know, you've got this kind of like banal thing, same old Italians always cheating, um, which I just can't understand at all. And then at the other end, which I think normally is is what Jim's alluding to, and, and most people in my experience are alluding to, is the fascination with a mixture of ruthlessness, you know, where you, you give you an example of Kalini and Saka in the game, you know, like, <laughs> you're not going anywhere, young man. That That's, you know, that that's, you play to win. Um, that's not cheating. That's that's ruthlessness. It's two different things. So you've got that on one side. Then on the other side, you've got this am- amazing beauty in how you play the game with amazing players of of unique type talents that play with a geometry that you know uh, you know little triangles of of uh, just just a way of playing that is so so attractive. Then you add in that they're always looking so cool and they've got great kit. Uh, and then, you know, the, the the national anthem, you add in our generation and the way that uh, Serie A in the 90s uh, and a Saturday morning um, affected everybody. Italian football is a thing, is a thing. Um, and, 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 you know, Jim saying that, it's nothing to do. I think most people, well, most people I hang about with haven't got any of this. I don't care who beats England stuff. It's, I know, but come on, doesn't. you've got to give me a, it's fun of a bit it, of needle. Yeah, no, no, you're, no, you're right. But, but I mean, let, let, let's, you know, let, let, let me come on the back a little bit of, of, of Jim's thing because, you know, how I lived the Euros, you know, um, the thing for me was, uh, it was all about uh, Vialli Mancini. Uh, when I went to Italy as an adult for the first time to live on my own, it was at the end of the 80s. And this was the, the start of these two career, these two's career in the national team and, and, and everything like that. And, and uh, to, you know, to see the closing of the circle, to see the closing of the circle where 
Roberto there is the manager with all that amazing elegance. Um, Viali there uh, as a cancer sufferer, uh, as his soulmate, as his soulmate, you know, at the end, you know, when, when, when they celebrate together and you've got also, you know, the meme that became Alberigo Ivani, the man with the moustache, that, that became the, the, the hero there. It, it was an amazing, it was an amazing time to see Italy win when nobody expected them to win two years ago, not even in Italy. Mancini put together an amazing way of playing football, didn't have a great um, array of weapons up front. Um, he he found a Chiesa that, that, that kind of like uh, compensated for, for some of the others not firing in all cylinders. But it's, it's, it's a cultural thing, Italian football. You know, it's it's that mixture of naughty and beauty that that goes through the world of art, that goes through the Catholic Church. It's it's so representative of being totally incoherent. You know, you, you can't be that ruthless and that beautiful without somebody saying that is compelling. You know, so um, it was a wonderful June for that reason, and 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 you know to see that penalty, and you you guys didn't see it here. It was there was an all or nothing done by uh, Rai, which is the BBC of Italy, over the the tournament, where you saw behind the scenes, uh, and you know you saw um, obviously the final and the, the penalty kick that Jorginho had to win it. Viali uh, removes himself from the, the group standing there and just, you know, goes to to hide his face and turn his back to the pitch. And all, and, you're, and and you just see the, the pathos there. You know, this is a man that probably shouldn't be alive due to cancer. And, you know, his mate's there. And, uh, of course, Jorginho misses it. And um, you see that reaction. And then the, the thing that you see after is um, Mancini in the middle of that emotion that you're touching it and it's ripped away because you've missed the penalty. He, he comes to Viali, who's on his own, and they, they exchange a couple of words. Who knows what they were saying, you know, but you, you can imagine it was it was just a beautiful thing. And then, um, you know, for Italian fans, sadly, for that poor lad, Saka, he then misses it and, and they start rejoicing. It's the closing of a circle, you know, the story of Viali Mancini to end up at Wembley Stadium, the Wembley Stadium that both of them lost the European mm-hmm. Cup in to uh, Barcelona. Awesome. Yeah. It's just poetic, uh, poetic justice that sports sometimes, for some reason, comes up with. You, you couldn't script it better, but, you know, let nobody, nobody uh, get the wrong idea. Italian football is just, a beautiful, beautiful thing. Well, I agree with lots of that. Well, I mean, one man's ruthlessness is another man's cheated, Rog. But we'll let it slide because I think your point is absolutely well taken. And it's and certainly, as I said, no hard feelings on this end. It was uh, it was just a, a great summer to be a football fan. Yeah, and I'd like to comment a little bit on 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 Jim's own goal, uh, which is uh, again linked to to the Super League story um, that Colin mentioned as well. What, it, it doesn't work. The current sy- s- uh, system doesn't work for uh, big clubs that are not English because the English Premiership is pulling away. So, um, you know, that's not the reason for why the Spanish Giants have gone to a mess, but it's one of them. Another reason is the fact that they uh, have to get elected by, let's call, the fan-owned clubs. That wonderful phrase that everybody loves to aspire to, the fan-owned clubs. 
Um, which means that when people are getting on the hustings to get elected as president, they promise buys that ultimately they can't afford. Um, and this isn't a new thing. You know, Real Madrid has been bailed out a couple of times, basically by the Spanish government and buying their training ground and everything like that. This isn't new. Barcelona that he, he refers to specifically is a classic basket case um, of a club where they had a moment that everything was going right and the Cruyff uh, philosophy on the Cantera and bringing players through um, disappeared. Um, they started making horrendously badly thought out buys, you know, from Dembele to Coutinho to, to a whole lot of ones. They were being hidden by the phenomenon that is Lionel Messi uh, and they've just got themselves in, into a horrendous mess. Um, that they will struggle to get out of. We, we've said before that the banks basically own Barcelona. What does that mean? What does that mean? It means that two of the ultimately uh, major uh, buyers in the food chain of football transfers are no longer there. That affects everything. Grant, you know, if you think about it, that affects everything. That affects, you know, what happens to Paul Pogba, you know, who probably mm, won't be able to leave Man United or who knows. It affects Haaland that probably come to England when, you know, he most likely would have gone to Spain. Uh, so, you know, this Jim's right. This is a major, major thing. And, you know, there's different ways to look at it. I, I just think that it's a, a symptom of the wrong macrostructure that leads to thoughts like the Super League. It's a symptom of how poorly football clubs in the main are run, especially when they have to react to fan pressure like getting elected. Dwell on that a little bit. The, the, the real skill in, in, in doing well in football is not listening to the fans. It's not listening to them. There's a whole lot of elements to this here. Uh, uh, and, 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 you know, I think going forward, we're going into a new world of um, the football ecosystem. Uh, I think we're going to see a whole lot. We're not going to see what's happened in, in the Spanish clubs again. I think that's not going to be allowed to happen. We're going to have a very interesting 2022. You know, don't think the Bradford story being bought by the NFT cool kids is the end of that story. For me anyway, this is potentially the model um, for the community clubs. You know, the ones that I say will be left behind when it all goes to Hollywood. Community clubs are, all, are, are, are community businesses and there is now a new model for community businesses. It's called Web 3.0. And everybody, you know, saying, oh, you know, the, the, the articles this week about how that happened and then went away. Again, just such first level thinking. And I, I, I can't stand that stuff because honestly, look at it as an opportunity. This is a way to maybe make it a proper community club the way it should be. Well, Roger, I, I have to say I agree with I agree with all that. You know, it's interesting, um, and I think we'll talk more in the new year about this about this Bradford City thing because I think uh, it, it's hugely important and 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 a completely misunderstood dynamic that, that NFT deal was was going to bring and i suspect as you as you say will bring in the future but look let's uh i, I think for me the, the the point jim makes about real and barcelona it's a microcosm of much broader problems within society right it's the yep. same thing about yep. not having leaders and listening to the people and not being able to make decisions and mortgaging your future to pay for your present i mean it's this is a this is a, a cancer that invades just about every western democracy right now roger and we're seeing how that plays out so once again you know football is a microcosm of that and will probably show us the way that that's going to go which 
is slightly worrying given the potential fate of Barcelona and Real Madrid. Rog, let's turn to our, our last guest for the year. Uh, and it's uh, a friend of the show and a, a remarkable story. I mean, this, this to me, um, all the other ones aside, is, is a personal goal uh, of the year, no doubt. And that is the extraordinary story of our friend Chris Cairn. So let's, um, let's see what Chris has to say about 2021. Hi, this is Chris Cairns for Goal, Own Goal in 2021. My goal uh, would have to be the fact that I'm living and breathing uh, here on planet Earth uh, after a major um, health scare in August of this year. Uh, my time's not done yet, plenty still to do. Um, so to say I'm happy with that is a complete understatement. So that would be the goal. My own goal uh, is that during my time in ICU uh, after the health scare, um, I dreamt whilst being on a concoction of wonderful medicinal drugs um, that my wife and Scarlett Johansson had gone into business together. I subsequently asked her uh, when I awoke from my slumber if indeed that was true, to which um, she replied no. All the best to the uh, uh, Are You Not Entertained Boys for 2022, which I'm sure will be massive, and a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everybody else. Cheers, bye. Well, you know, there, there was just enough of a pause after he said, when my wife and Scarlett Johansson went into business together. So that, that, that could have gone in two completely different directions. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Roger, we, we've just spent an hour and a half talking about sport and talking about goal on goals for the year. And... You know, to finish up with that puts it all in perspective, really. You know, Chris's Chris's goal is the fact that he, a world-class athlete in great shape, is is still around to to record that for us and to move into 2022. You know, it's it, it was a remarkable story, and and Chris doesn't really give any indication there of the of the severity of this medical incident that he he suffered this year. Um, you know, his 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 fight back from that has been inspirational and, and you know, the other recent um the recent posts he's made on twitter showing his recovery are just it's just phenomenal to see you know and, and to see a spirit like that just refuse to lie down refuse to be beaten and, and, it, and it, it it speaks to the positivity that you can have with a mindset that says no i'm not gonna that's not gonna be my uh that's not gonna be my story i'm gonna write it myself and i'm gonna write it in the way i want it to be written and it's um you know he's been an inspiration to me this year Remarkable guy, great guy, and um, I, I couldn't be happier to have him still around and 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 to and to watch how he smashes twenty twenty two. Yeah, you know, goal on goal. I think people enjoy goal on goal because we, we do like a laugh and we, we, laughter's contagious. You know, so so that's all true, Grant. Um, and and and, but the idea, you know, the, the idea, you know, thinking back to to July and August, there was, you know, this. There was a period when Mel, his wife, and I, she was updating me, you know, twice a day on on what was going on and on the most dramatic stuff. Like, uh, you, you can't believe the hell that this woman yeah. was in in that moment in time, you know? Um, and I'm just going to fucking image now, you know, like, after all of that, after all of that, he wakes up, he wakes up, and he says, Mel, Mel, what is it you're doing with Scarlett Yats? <laughs> he's, he's opening gambit as he opens his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. That's so funny, man. That's so funny. So, like, um, in that same spirit, um, I, I want to like end with my own little um, 
Cado of a little story that I saw a woman here in Como the other day that I hadn't seen for a while. This woman talking about Italian football in Italy, and, 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 and it's a major, it's an important thing in my life, Italy, and everything like that. I love the place, uh, but you've got to deal with it in a certain way. So this woman I ran into when we came here to Como in, um, 15 years ago, and she's from Vicenza, which is in the northeast of Italy. Northeast of Italy is obviously closest to Austria and has got a lot of the Austrian, let's say, Germanic type um, ways of thinking. Uh, Veneto is the region. V- Veneto is not, is not Naples. So this this is this is the story. I, we we had a dinner party with her just when we arrived. All the kind of like people that she was married to a guy in the navy, a senior guy in the navy who was stationed in Naples because he was a senior guy. And there's a big uh, American base in Naples. So she marries this guy and he gets posted to Naples and she goes down. And she's this nice little prim, kind of like well-to-do, beautifully de- dressed Italian northeast Veneta. And I, I was at, I was at lunch with her this day. It was lunch, it wasn't a dinner, it was lunch. And I saw she was quite a nervous disposition. You know, I kind of like Mio Faro, always a little bit kind of like a little bit shaky. And I said, uh, so how'd you end up in Como? And 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 she she said, um, well, we're in Naples, and she told me about her husband's job and everything like that. But she said, um, I couldn't take it. Um, I had a nervous breakdown, and we had to come back up. And I now live in Como. I said, what do you, what do you mean a nervous breakdown? And and the reason I'm telling this is because like put this in the context of you know what you saw about you know Juve in 2006 that documentary put this in the context of uh, play uh, player transfer gains and you know Pjanic and Arthur and Barcelona and everything like that shit happens right in Italy shit happens so like, she she went down to Naples and she couldn't deal with the way that Naples life is so one of the examples she gave me at lunch one of the first ones she said um I was in the car with my friend and we're driving along <laughs> this other car slams into us this other car slams into us <laughs> the guy gets out of the car drags out my friend you know like basically dragged out the door dragged out the door and starts screaming <laughs> You bitch, you slag, how could you do this to me with my best friend? How could you do it? You know, I believed in you and everything like that. And you, you with that fur coat that I bought for you, give it to me back. He, he, he grabs the, the, the fur coat off. Does you imagine the image? She's been pulled out of the car. The fur coat's been taken. She's like struggling on the ground. The guy takes the fur coat and scarpers. I said, well, you know, obviously there was a, a story of, you know, a, 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 some kind of like love story and uh, she's obviously betrayed him and everything like that. This woman says, she's never met this guy in her life. <laughs> she's never seen him in his life. So the Neapolitans, that's the scam. <laughs> because it's genius, Grant. If you think about it, it's genius. You can do that in broad daylight if people think it's a thing between a husband <laughs> yeah, and a wife, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can get away with it. You know, like, in fact, you actually feel sorry for the guy. Yeah, take the fucking coat off her. You know, she's a bitch. 
<laughs> and anyway, she had all these experiences of Naples that um, <laughs> she couldn't handle. She had a nervous breakdown. And I'm telling you, you oh go down God. there. That is man, genius, actually. That is genius. Dear that God, is fucking God. genius. Uh, I mean, uh, and there's a, a whole lot of these. We won't do it now because it's Christmas time, but there's a whole podcast about the beauty and the, the, the genius imagination of the Neapolitans. It is an amazing <laughs> One thing, man's man. ruthlessness is another man's cheating, right? <laughs> <laughs> there he is. <laughs> it's the beauty as well. I mean, like, that is genius. Boy, oh boy, you can oh boy. do that in broad deadlight. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Great stuff. Well, look, it's been a... It's been a fantastic uh, year, not not just on the sporting fields around the world, but uh, for this podcast. You know, we've had an absolute ball bringing these these conversations to you, whether it's Roger and I nattering away like we have for the last hour and change, or it's some of the fantastic interviews we brought you. Each one of them is a joy for us to produce, but we can't thank you enough out there for listening to us, because without you listening, it would just be me and Roger nattering away. And while we'd still do it, it wouldn't be nearly as much fun. So thank you for sticking with us this year. Thank you for for sharing the podcast with your friends. We really appreciate uh, the growth you've seen in the business. It's been a lot of fun. Um, that's it for us for the year. We will be back early in the new year uh, with plenty more conversations like these and plenty more great interviews for you. In the meantime, all that remains is thank you again for listening to us and to remind you that if you don't follow us already, you can do that very easily on Twitter. You'll find us at EntertainedR. That's the word A-R-E. You can find me at T-T-M-Y-G-H. You can find the captain, Giles Morgan, at GilesMorgan71. And producer James, you'll find at AIF James. You can find myself at RPM Como, as in the lake. And in the famous words of one of the great Irish comics, especially at Christmas time, may your God go with you. Could have put it better myself. Rog, thanks, mate. Great fun year, and we'll do it again next year. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Cheers. Bye-bye. Take care.